Hi there! You're about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to Under the Microscope. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientists Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience, who would be curating the RealSci underscore nano Twitter account. Hi everyone, today we have with us Andrew Poon, who is a, a postdoctoral fellow at the ETH Zurich in Switzerland. Hi Andrew, how are you? Hi, Pratik, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Excited to talk about talk more about your research and ask you all kinds of fun questions. Uh, let's start by talking about or understanding your scientific journey so far. So tell us your scientific uh, career so far. Sure thing. So uh, I grew up in California and I attended UC Berkeley uh, to do my undergraduate in chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, and from there, I got interested in research and I worked at this institution uh, at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab called the Molecular Foundry. This mm -hmm. is a big uh, nanoscience institute that was founded just a couple years before I went to school at Berkeley. Mm -hmm. uh, and there I started doing research and I got really interested in nanoscience and all sorts of materials science and materials chemistry. Uh, and so this was like my early exposure and really got me excited in this field and this path. Mm -hmm. And so after working there as an undergraduate, I decided to continue on and uh, go to graduate school to pursue my PhD in chemistry. Uh, and for this, I moved all the way across the country uh, and I went to Columbia University in New York City to do my PhD. Uh, and there I switched up a little bit and I was doing uh, a, a thesis in organic electronics. And so I spent five years there. Uh, and after that, I decided that I liked doing research and I liked academia. So decided to keep on keep on with, on that path and uh, went ahead and started a postdoc uh, where I am now, uh, mm -hmm. working on nanocrystals here in Zurich uh, at, the, at ETH, the big national university. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow, that's quite a traveling scientist sort of a journey you've had. Uh, that's really cool. So, I mean, you did speak a little bit about your current research, uh, but especially your postdoc research now at ETH Zurich, where does it fit in this big picture of materials or nanoscience? Sure. So I think I think nanocrystals is one of like the first uh, first discoveries that really got the field of nanoscience going. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a topic that's been known for maybe around 40 or so years now. Um, but this was, you know, the, the discovery of these really tiny nano-sized crystals and how they have different size-dependent properties really, I think, in my opinion, kicked off the field of nanoscience. So uh, it's a, uh, one of the, like, original things in the, in, the, in the greater field of nanoscience, but I think there's still a lot to explore and a lot of things to learn about. So it's interesting that, you know, one of this, these older fields is still, you know, leading us to new discoveries and new materials every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's cool that it's still relevant. It, it kicked off the field, but it is still relevant. It didn't die off, so to say. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, so it sounds that sounds to me, especially when you said the magic uh, number with the magic size and stuff like that, um, that uh, you are involved and you were also with the organic electronics, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly. Um, with some really cool research projects. Um, and I realize this is a difficult question, but I'm still going to go ahead and ask uh, to ask you. If you have to pick one project that you're most proud of or the most fun or quirky one, um, could you pick one research project and explain it to us in simple words in the section we call In Other Words? Yeah, sure. So like you mentioned, this is a really, really hard thing to think about. What's my favorite project? But I think uh, the project I'm most proud of was uh, a thing I did back in my PhD work on organic electronics. Mm -hmm. And so back then I was working on this project about uh, triplet up conversion. So the idea is to convert low energy light into high energy light. So the way we can think of this is, you know, you turn red light into blue light. Okay. And um, it's a pretty fundamental process, but uh, one of the things that we did was to apply up conversion to photocatalysis. So uh, in photocatalysis, you know, you use light to make a reaction happen. And a lot of these reactions need really high energy light, you know, blue or ultraviolet. Uh, and using up conversion, we were able to perform these reactions with low energy light, uh, even into the infrared. And this was a really fun project for me, showing that we could take, you know, these basic, you know, more physical chemistry type projects and really apply them to some, uh, some sort of application with real world um, uses like photocatalysis. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really cool. I can imagine why you picked this as one of the projects, let's put it as one of the projects that you're most proud of, the most fun one. That's really cool. So it, it I mean, you mentioned uh, in your scientific journey also that you really like to do the research, you like being a scientist. Um, but I mean, doing research is only one part, like one major part, but one part of being a scientist. Um, what else do you like about being a scientist? So I think uh, the listeners don't know this, but we had a little talk, you know, just to get to know each other before this interview. And you were asking me a bit about, you know, what my life and how it's been affected by, you know, the, the pandemic that we're all living through. And so one thing that's really nice about my job is that I get to do lab work. It's really hands on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even throughout this confinement, I've been lucky enough to, you know, come into the lab, work with my hands still. And that's it's something I, I really value about my job. Uh, I get to try new things all the time, and I get to always be on my feet, walking around, you know, and uh, I get to be surrounded by people who I can learn from and teach things to, and I think this exchange of ideas is something I really value. Oh, that's really nice. We need scientists like you who like exchange of ideas and who like to get their, get their hands dirty, not literally, of course. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. So uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, learning from people and also teaching people um, around you. I mean, we are all learning from each other all the time. Um, so what advice would you give uh, to the scientists who are starting off today? Or if you were to go back in time and you were starting off now, what advice would you give yourself? I think the big one's just, you know, the classic piece of advice of, you know, keeping an open mind <laughs> and, also, and also just to not be too hard on yourself. You know, I think... You know, I've, I've been around as a scientist for a little while now and, you know, plenty of mentors, plenty of people giving you advice on, you know, how to do science, how to do things. Um, but I think as well, like as long as you have this open mind, you're willing to learn things. I think that's probably the big thing. You know, mm. even now as I'm like advancing in my scientific career, I'm, you know, I'm a postdoc, but uh, 
I work in a lab that does research uh, in a different field. I work in a lab that does mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. So even when we have, you know, I'm, I'm currently supervising a bachelor student, but uh, I'm really happy to hear her ideas on projects all the time because, you know, she may be, you know, in like an academic and title sense, you know, below me, but she's definitely has all the sorts of interesting ideas and ways of thinking that I, I wouldn't imagine. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I think this sort of thinking is really valuable. Uh, and something you should always keep in mind, I guess, be humble and listen to everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, keep an open mind, be humble, and listen to everyone. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's very important, especially when you're collaborating, I think, with interdisciplinary, like physicists and chemists and biologists collaborating. Right. The, the, you com- get a complete different perspective on the challenges, especially the challenges that you're facing in your project. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's nice to hear how different people, you know, just think of the project and the problems differently. And it really yeah. helps. Yeah, it really helps. Absolutely. So, I mean, Andrew, it sounds like your research experience has been amazing so far. I mean, you are still doing science, so that's great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I hope it will continue to be great in the future as well. However, if you had three wishes to improve your research experience, what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything here, okay? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess these are like pretty big wishes uh, and, uh, you know, hard systemic problems, but I guess I'll start out with them. Uh, Like you said, uh, my research journey has been pretty good so far, but there are, you know, these big problems I think we still need to tackle as, as a whole, as a society, as scientists. Uh, And so one big one is more diversity in science. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I come from a background of uh, immigrants from South America, uh, and pretty clearly, as you get high, like further along in academia, you see less and less of people that look like me, talk like me, same background as me. And it, it'd be nice to have some other people that look like me and uh, other people who look a little bit different. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. always that nice. Mm-hmm. Um, a second one that I know I've been talking a lot with people I work with uh, is just like improvement of the publishing system that we're all in. <laughs> Like uh, this, this crazy for-profit publishing system that we all buy into. I know, like, if you were to explain this to like a family member who's not a scientist, I think I have tried to before. You know, my dad's always asking, like, so, like, you get paid for your papers? Like, no. It's like, and we have to, we as taxpayers have to pay for papers that we can't actually access. Yeah, that's right. So this whole <laughs> this whole system is uh, is pretty crazy to me. Mm. So fixing this would, I think, would make a, a big effect on people's careers. Mm-hmm. Also, fixing the whole like publisher pair system. So this whole publishing system, I think, would be a big thing that we could change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and last big huge wish, you know, I've been I've been lucky to have really good mentors and advisors in my scientific career, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people aren't as lucky as I am, and I know that your research mentor has a pretty outsized influence on your ability to advance in science, to get a job. And if there was some way, I, I'm not saying I have answers to any of these huge systemic problems, but I think if there's any way we could somehow change this, I think it would, it would really go a long way towards helping people, you know, feel a bit more comfortable in science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And as you started off, these are big, big uh, issues or big problems. And, yes, exactly. Uh, the diversity and representation I mean it's already great and I I relate with you completely relate with what you said 
that it would be nice to see more people who look like you or talk like you or around you as you go make progress in the career. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just someone to like other people to talk about your shared experiences with, you know, people that get where you come from. It's, uh, It's nice to have around. Yeah, it's nice to have. But well, you are already uh, doing doing a um, you are you are representing as well. Um, so Thanks. both of us people can look up to you as well uh, as a successful uh, doctor who is doing a postdoc now in Switzerland. That's already great. Uh, but no, in principle, yeah, we need more diversity in science. Um, and also with the publishing system, I think it's very important to um, to to uh, be more open and transparent. And this publish and perish and all these uh, ideas from 50 years ago, 100 years ago, they are not going to last long. Um, it's it's just not going to work because the world has changed. Um, and I hope the publishing uh, industry or the publishing houses are going towards this with this gold open access and all of that uh, conversation happening. Right. Um, hopefully. Um, and with this, um, with the advisors, yeah, it's that's also very, very important. And, uh, well, you, we have a good advisor like you uh, who is aware of these things. So I'm yeah. sure the science and the scientists of tomorrow are in good hands, at least around you. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. We're, doing our, we're doing our best. <laughs> that's 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 great um i wish i could just do this like snap my fingers and be like andrew tomorrow when you wake up you will have a bunch of people who look like you and it will be completely diverse around you uh the publishing system will be fixed um and everything that you ask for will be fixed i can't do that unfortunately but i would like to believe that we are working towards it uh, as the scientific community we are working towards it we need some big challenges to make us get up in the morning and work towards i guess if anything exactly yeah so that's what we are doing we are working towards these big challenges uh, one day at a time when you're at a time uh, this has been great, Andrew, speaking with you. I learned about your research, about your scientific journey, about your favorite experience, uh, research project. Um, but before I let you go, I have one last question for you. Uh, and that is uh, the year that was 2020 that we all <laughs> lived through, uh, survived through, pushed through, however you call it. Uh, and we all learned some things and unlearned some things. So would you like to share some learnings from the year 2020 with us? Uh, sure. So I, I think the biggest one for me, as we have this meeting over Skype, is uh, is that in-person meetings are really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think when it first started out, some of us thought, you know, like, okay, we can do away with a lot of these informal meetings that take up a lot of our day, take up a lot of our time. But then I think we pretty rapidly realized like how valuable all these little in-person interactions were. Um, mm. You know, we uh, our group switched to like a group meetings online, as I think a lot of other groups did pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. And we you know we had to learn how to give presentations just to a computer screen. And um, I like the public speaking aspect of my job of being a scientist. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've attended conferences as well, and I think it's not something I expected, just how difficult it is to do presentations to a computer screen. You can't really get a sense of like what people don't get. I think it's a big thing. You know, if you give a scientific presentation, you get to like workshop your ideas with new people, which is one of the cool things about science. Mm. But, you know, as you present your ideas, you can judge from people's body languages who are in like a crowd, you know, like, okay, clearly 
this portion of the project isn't well explained. Um, but to a computer screen, you know, there's just a bunch of blank stares or maybe even, you know, cameras turned off staring back at you. So yeah. I think uh, this is a huge, huge thing that's uh, it's been tough to deal with. So, you know, I think mm -hmm. valuing in-person interactions more is, I think, you know, obviously something everyone's learned, but specifically in the, in the context of science, I think it's, a, it's an important thing. Yeah, it was taken for granted until now. We all took it for granted. The coffee catch-ups or just brainstorming yeah, at exactly. the coffee machine. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, you know, there's a whiteboard behind me right now, and you know, it's pretty blank. You know, back in the day, we'd all just like have lunch and you know, over a coffee, start jotting down ideas and talking about things we we thought could work. Um, and that's mm -hmm. lacking, which is a bit sad. But hopefully, we we can get back to regular life soon and get back to this. Yeah. Fingers crossed that we will go back to the conferences, the in-person conferences, group meetings, symposiums, all of that, uh, the networking, public speaking aspect, everything. I hope it comes back very, very soon. Yeah, let's hope uh, so. <laughs> let's hope so. On that hopeful note, uh, thank you very much, Andrew, for speaking with us. This has been amazing. Uh, looking forward to having you on Real Scientist Nano. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to curating the Twitter for a week. For listening. To know more about us, please visit our website realscientistsnano.org and follow us on Twitter at realsci_nano.